When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Good morning, welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Thursday, February the 22nd. I'm Adam Leventhal and on today's show... Sir Jim Radcliffe's vision for Manchester United. That was a reopening of a conversation that many people had considered to be over. Liverpool survivor Luton Scare. Darting through and finding a way in from To go clear again. To be four points ahead is really good. And a late Champions League blow for Arsenal. Last chance for them. Final goal. It's in for the goal. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Adam Leventhal. Let's start with Wednesday night's action and Liverpool have regained their four-point advantage at the top of the Premier League, but there was an early hiccup against Luton. Darting through and finding a way in from Denny. So Ogbené's goal led it for Luton until the 56th minute at Anfield and then Liverpool got their act together. Callister's corner. There's the header. There's the goal. Gatto denied. his quality and his value to Liverpool. So Van Dijk, Gakpo, Diaz and Elliot made it 4-1 in the end to Liverpool. Kiefer O'Neill was there for the Athletic. In the first half, Liverpool seemed to struggle. It just wasn't them. Lewis Diaz had quite a lot of chances. I mean, there were chances for a lot of players. It just felt like it wasn't quite happening. And then Luton scored in the 12th minute and that just adds to it. The Anfield atmosphere at that point was pretty low. It felt like everyone was maybe like a little bit nervous about the title race and different things. Liverpool, of course, as well, have got 11 first-team players currently injured. So that means a lot of younger players have to be in the squad. And then the second half, it was like someone just pressed the button and Liverpool just appeared and absolutely blew Luton away. Rob Edwards said, you know, it felt like the cop was sort of sucking in goals. And I feel like it was a really important win because it felt like it might not happen at one point at half time. No one quite knew what Liverpool team were going to emerge and what was going to happen in this game. But it just felt like that sort of sent a little bit of a signal out to say okay we're going for all this in terms of injuries and everything else and you know there's obviously a league cup final to come this weekend at Wembley against Chelsea but Liverpool had to do a job and in the end they did it with Manchester City obviously having won earlier in the week and Arsenal up there as well to be one point ahead would have been okay but to be four points ahead is really good and we'll have more on Liverpool to come later on in the show To the Champions League action and Arsenal were looking like they were heading back to the Emirates with a nil-nil draw after their first leg of their last 16 tie in Porto. But then this happened in the last minute. As it is, it's with Galeno to Porto. Last chance for them. Final. Oh, it's in! What a goal! What a goal! So that 1-0 defeat coming after five straight Premier League wins. Here's the Athletics' Arsenal reporter, James McNicholas. Well, this tie between Arsenal and Porto was one of youthful ability against experience. And experience proved the winner here. And Arsenal showed a bit of naivety in the final few moments. 
you know, attempting to win the game on a counter-attack, trying a cross-field pass. I think it was Gabriel Martinelli. Uh, the ball was cut out. And then moments later, it's in the back of David Raya's net. I'm sure Mikel Arteta would have wanted his team to be a bit more considered in that moment. Maybe they've just shown a little bit of immaturity here. It was not a great game to watch. Uh, Arsenal didn't have a shot on target in the game. And I think when that's the case, you know, you're always at risk of something like this happening. Uh, but there were plenty of fouls. So fans of fouls would have enjoyed the match. It was very bitty, very stop-start. Porto were cynical at times, but you can't blame them. They're competing with a team who've got a vastly superior budget and who come into the game in fantastic form. You know, two huge away wins in the Premier League. Well, Porto stifled them. You know, they worked hard on set pieces to reduce Arsenal's threat there. And they took their moments. You know, when they had opportunities to break, they did. And of course, they got that spectacular late winner. So a lot of work for Arsenal to do in the second leg. They'll feel confident, given their record against Porto previously uh, at the Emirates Stadium, that they can still turn this around. But a big lesson learned for them tonight. The other last 16 tie finished Napoli 1, Barcelona 1, with two big gun strikers on target. Martinez inside, Pedri, Lewandowski, doesn't mean much room. No, he really doesn't, does he? Puts it in the back of the net. Lewandowski, typical from him, and Barcelona lead. Gisa towards Ossiman, breaks from here, and he scores. And the Athletics' Italian football reporter James Horncastle watched the game for us. Napoli's new coach, Francesco. Calzona, their third coach of the season. He arrived on Monday to take meetings with Napoli's owner, Aurelio De Laurentiis, about replacing Belta Mazzari. He was then introduced or reintroduced to the squad on Tuesday because he had been an assistant under Luciano Spalletti and Maurizio Sarri, so he knows quite a few of the players. And then he had to do his UEFA press conference, and then he could maybe work on some training. And Calzona said, that he didn't say much to the players before the Barcelona game because he didn't want to overload them with information. And it looked like that. It looked like they hadn't been coached uh, for the first half an hour because they were jittery. They were all over the place. They didn't really look to have any kind of coherent structure. Barcelona dominated them for the first half an hour. Barcelona then took the lead through Robert Lewandowski. But Napoli pulled themselves together. And you could say that with time, they grew into the game. Victor Oseman scored on his comeback. It was his sixth goal in six Champions League home games. But I think there's there's still a lot more to come from Calzona and this Napoli team. They have to right the ship. Not only do they have a chance of now making the quarterfinals of the of the Champions League if they improve over the next fortnight, but they have to put themselves into contention to get into the top four. Uh, they're currently well adrift of that. So Calzona cannot only focus on preparing games against Barcelona. He has to get things right in City as well and get this team back into the top four. And one other line from that game, Barcelona and Spain wonder kid Lamine Yamal became the youngest ever player to appear in the Champions League knockouts. He's only 16 years and 223 days. Now to Manchester United and the club's new co-owner has been speaking to the media. I'm in exactly the same page as Alex Ferguson. I'd want to knock them all off their perch. That's Sir Jim Radcliffe, the British billionaire whose 27.7% stake in the club with Ineos was confirmed on Tuesday. He spoke to the media on Wednesday and discussed a range of topics, including wanting to return United to the summit of English and European football. The Athletics' Adam Crafton was one of the journalists that sat down with Radcliffe. 
headlines that came out of it, there was quite a lot. I mean, some pretty bold stuff has got a three-year plan to basically put Manchester United back to the top of English and European football, wants to knock Manchester City and Liverpool, who he called the enemy, off their perch, which is kind of reminiscent of things Sir Alex Ferguson was saying a long time ago. Talked about big plans for Old Trafford, possible £1 billion refurbishment or a £2 billion actually building a whole new stadium that would be a whole campus project, really sort of taking Manchester United into modern football, really. Other significant things, he spoke about Dan Ashworth, the sporting director Man United are trying to prize away from Newcastle. He's currently on gardening leave from St. James's Park. Uh, I asked Jim Ratcliffe what he thought of the reported £20 million asking price. His response was, that's a bit silly, and said he doesn't think it's very sensible for Dan Ashworth to potentially be doing up his garden for the next 18 months. So he's hoping that Newcastle come to a lower price. He spoke about Eric Ten Hag, the manager who's been under pressure this season. And he kind of said that, you know, he, he didn't throw his weight behind Ten Hag, but he also made clear, you know, other coaches have had difficult times at Manchester United over the past decade or so since Alex Ferguson left the club. And he was saying that his view is when so many coaches are struggling, you have to look at the broader organisation and see perhaps if there's other things that aren't working. So that might bode well, or at least buy Ten Hag a bit of time. So there were lots of issues covered and it wasn't all predictable either. He was talking about the takeover of the club and how difficult that process had been. It took over a year. He was saying there was actually a moment in Monaco at the Grand Prix in Monaco in May where Ineos thought they'd won to the extent that they opened a very expensive bottle of champagne to celebrate. And then it turned out there was all sorts of roadblocks coming down the line. A bit of fun about his Qatari rival, Sheikh Jassim, questioned whether Sheikh Jassim actually existed, which I think was a lighthearted joke because he then went on to say that he appeared to have a pretty strong team around him. And then the twist that nobody really expected on the day was Mason Greenwood, who had kind of been written off as a Manchester United player following everything that had happened with regards to police investigations and allegations that had always been denied. Manchester United's internal process where they were going to bring him back and then they didn't bring him back after a backlash last summer, went on loan to Getafe. The last chief executive, Richard Arnold, had told staff and United had briefed reporters to say that he wouldn't be playing for United again. I asked Jim Ratcliffe about Mason Greenwood and while it may be too strong to say he opened the door, what he did say is that a fresh decision would be made by Ineos because they now have sporting control of Manchester United and he said some things that make you wonder whether he may be opening the door so things like you know young people don't always have the best upbringing and they're presented with challenges they don't have the best guidance that started to make you think is he talking about potential rehabilitation there but then he also said he wanted the decision to be made in line with the values of Manchester United whether the fans would accept it is he a good guy or not so yeah, I think that was a reopening of a conversation that many people had considered to be over. I think it's had a pretty strong reaction. It's probably been the most controversial part of what he said. So, yeah, I mean, lots and lots that was covered over an hour in conversation. The full transcript is on The Athletic. And there'll be continued coverage and analysis of the new era at Old Trafford as well. Uh, their next game, by the way, is at home to Fulham on Saturday. And they're three points outside the top five. 
Now, as promised, back to Liverpool, who are in the process of working out who's going to be their new manager, with Jurgen Klopp leaving at the end of the season. Well, Bayern Munich's decision-making may well have an impact on that. They announced that Thomas Tuchel will be leaving at the end of the season too, a year early, because they want to go in a new footballing direction. They've lost three on the spin, they're second in the Bundesliga, eight points behind leaders by a Leverkusen, who are managed by Xavi Alonso. Bayern admire their former player, as do another of his former clubs, Liverpool. Here's the Athletics German football correspondent, Rafa Honigstein. Bayern will be in a fight, a three-way fight with Leverkusen and uh, with Liverpool, who have a huge appeal for very obvious reasons. I think what Bayern can do for Alonso is, to a certain extent, guarantee titles early on. He might already win, of course, in Leverkusen this year, but I think it leaves his options open. If you go, if he goes to Liverpool now, that probably means he can't go to another Premier League club. It probably means he will be there for a foreseeable time, which is no bad thing at all. But I think it probably closes a few doors. Whereas Bayern is maybe a more transient thing. You do it two, three years, then you move on. Um, you become a more rounded coach. That's certainly, I think, the pitch that Bayern will will present. Whether he's amenable to that. I don't know. Well, there's much more from Rafa on the latest episode of the Athletic Football Podcast. Would imagine another of Alonso's former clubs, Real Madrid, will be keeping tabs on the situation as well. As it develops, you'll get the latest on the Athletic. Well, tonight there are eight ties in the Europa League, including AC Milan at Rennes, Roma hosting Feyenoord, and Shakhtar Donetsk are in Marseille, who have switched head coaches from Gennaro Gattuso to Jean-Louis Gasset. You may well remember him because he was sacked by Ivory Coast during the AFCON group stages before they turned it all around and shocked the whole tournament and went on to win it. Now, seven games in the Europa Conference League as well, including Ajax at Bodo Glimt, Real Betis at Dinamo Zagreb, and Eintracht Frankfurt against Royal Union Saint-Gilloise. All the European action is on TNT in the UK, where you'll also see Torino Lazio in Serie A. In the States, CBS for the Europa League, it's Paramount Plus for the Conference League action. Right, that's all for today's Daily Football Briefing with me, Adam Leventhal. Your producers were Abby Patterson and Mike Zimmerman. And the executive producer was Ian McIntosh. Tim Spears is back with you tomorrow. The Athletic.